Hey, before we get started, it was suggested to me by a friend of the show that posting art might help visualize some of the characters, which, why didn't I think of that? It doesn't get as much airplay as Greek or Norse mythology art, but Irish mythology has been a popular forum for a lot of great artists over the ages, including Arthur Rackham, famed illustrator of myths and fairy tales. I'll start sharing this on social media and probably dedicate each week to certain characters' tales or groups of characters, since triple deities are a big deal among Irish gods. Alright, enough of that. Previously on Goddessy. Lou has made his presence known to the royal court of the Tuatha Dé Danann, his people. In doing so, he has struck the first blow against the murderers of his father, the sons of Turian, who have left Ireland to retrieve him great treasures as repayment. Before they left, he enchanted them to ignore reason and the demands of their father, and retrieve the Spear of Vassal, a spear that gives victory to whomever wields it. Despite such victories, Lou was assaulted by mysterious figures dressed in the royal colors of King Brez, led by a mysterious figure dressed in black. Welcome to Goddessy, Episode 10, The Man in Black. There was a single light in the room, a break in the ceiling that allowed the sun to shine in. It had taken hours for Lou to discern that detail, but the more he looked at it, the more he realized they must be underground, or below a mound. He was bound, not in mere hemp rope, but in something stronger, for this was an enchantment. He struggled, this time more conscious than he had been these past days? Was it days? How long had it been? He leaned back, expecting to fill something there, but instead fell backwards, slamming a rock into his back. Groaning, he tried to sit back up, straining his muscles as he struggled, his legs bound too. Around him were bones, of a kind he would rather not think about, from door to the deeper darkness of the room. There was a laugh in the dark, hoarse and wheezing. It was somewhere adjacent to him, further from the light. He could not make him out, save the shape of a withered man, also bound, his hair long about his head and white, too. It's no use, lad. That rope was made by the Witch of Valor of the Evil Eye. There is no blade that can cut it. Lou looked around, trying to see if there even was a blade. Well, had I one, I might have the one blade that could do it, for it was not made in this world. Oh, would you? Well, a shame you're here beneath this mound with me, or else you might be my rescuer after these long years, the man laughed. And now you will rot here until we are one with the stones of this mound, made by the sons of Sisar, or Nemed, called Net in the old tongue. I don't know. I was never much one for the histories. Lou regarded him for a moment, then looked away. At the far end of the room was a poorly constructed door, hanging on hinges of bronze, nailed to posts built into the hill. It was uneven. A small animal might creak under it from its awkward angle. The smell of summer was still present despite the mold and mildew of this place, and it was cool, but the light that came from above illuminated the grass of the mound that hid them. It was falling apart. The petrichor was strong, for a rain had come and gone in his restless sleep. How long have I been here? Three days. You came in a pulp. I wasn't sure you would ever wake up long enough to speak coherently. What do you dream, lad? What do you think you dream? 
Lou almost spat out a cruelty, but instead considered. He didn't remember his dreams, not since coming back to Ireland from Tirnanog. There were glimpses of a land different from this one, of a village on a river, of pools hidden by tall mountains where gold shimmered beneath the water. There were ships and a high tower on a tall shore facing northward, facing where he was now. He remembered no faces, no names, no ideas of what these were. The only thing I dream is now to be free and get back to my people. I must unite them. Time is of the essence. Oh, your people, the children of Danu. And what makes you think they can be united? Lou looked back at the man, who was not even looking at him. His hair was silver. He recalled a blur of clubs and shillelaghs, and amidst it, the man in black, hunched over, his white hair visible. Was this the same man in a different light? Yes, my people. We will take what is ours, and we will settle this land at last. And how many of your people are there, lad? How many hundreds against a horde of thousands? The Firbolg are loyal only because they're queen. Yet, where is she? And your people, f fractured by internal bickering. The Dagda takes the home of another and his wife. Tyrion and Kian bicker, and by extension, Dean Set. Our finest young lads chase girls rather than handle our business with no regard of how that girl might feel. So tell me, lad, what is worth uniting? Are we no better than the warring Fearbold clans before us? Lou hardened his glare. We? Who is we? The man paused, then sat back for a moment. They are coming, lad. Brace yourself. And they did. A storm of smells assaulted him first, like rotting flesh, as figures scuttled in like spiders, followed by those who could walk. The monstrous ones were upon both Lou and the man in the dark in seconds, punching, biting, kicking, headbutting, scratching them. Lou wrestled, even going so far as to bite one in the throat, pulling and writhing until he tasted blood and flesh and spat it back out, the figure gasping on the floor beside him. He met a sandaled heel from one of the others as the final figure entered. The man in black. So who is the man in shadows here, if not this man? You still have spirit, I see. And you're not begging. That's good. I enjoy beating that out of people. But it is good to see that there is still courage among the children of Danu. I thought we had worked that out years ago when I locked this one away. The man in black indicated the other figure and Lou began putting pieces together. You were at the Hall of King Brez. So he is in league with the Fomorians. The man in black smiled, his teeth as craggy as a cairn. There are many ways to frame that tale, boy. Brez MacElathan has long struggled with his identity. Many sires of our two people do. You are different, though, aren't you? The man moved forward, kicking the dead body of his companion away. He hissed, and the monstrous Fomorians crawled away, some on the ceiling, their eyes like those of a spider. Lou felt sick to his stomach, the taste in his mouth harsh. The man in black nodded, and one of his armored companions undid a strap on his belt, producing a familiar scabbard, the jeweled hilt of Fragrak glistening in the pale light. Lou struggled against his bonds, going for the blade. The man in black kicked him back down, then kicked him in the chest again. Tell me about this blade. Lou spit as hard as he could at the man. It landed on his leg. The man in black unsheathed 
Fragrak, studying. My grandson said that this is the blade of Mananan MacLear, king of Tirnanog. That you were fostered there, and that your foster father gave you this blade. Anyone who points this sword at their foe, their foe must answer any question asked of them. Is there a command word for that power, or does it merely work? He pointed the blade at the man in the shadows. Who is king of the Tuatha Dee The man answered without pause. Rezmek Elathan. The man in black asked another question. Have you ever had a son? The man paused, then answered. No. Then why did you pretend to have a boy who died during your war with the Fearbolg? The man struggled once again. There was a clicking from one of the creatures on the ceiling, three arms gripping to the rocks there. To hide the identity of the grandson of my chief physician. The man in black smiled and turned to Lou. Lou felt the blade upon him, pointed at him. He was at its mercy. What is your name, boy? Lou tried to hold his tongue, to insult the man, but only the truth came out. I am Lou, son of Kian, fostered with Taltu, Queen of the Fearbulk, Kavita the Smith of the Tuatha Dee Danan, and Mananan MacLear, Lord of the Sea. I am Lou, son of Ethniu, daughter of Balor of the Evil Eye. The men behind the cloaked figure in black all gasped, speaking to one another. The monstrous Fomorians on the ceiling hissed. So you did survive. The fairy woman brought you to him and you survived. How did you escape the sons of Yawkid? Lou still resisted, but gave only the truth. The fairy woman, Birog, carried me to Tirnanog before they could slay me. I was permitted to return once my fostering was complete. The man considered. There was something familiar to him there, a hideousness that almost betrayed beauty. Who had he seen that had the same look like this? Was it in the eyes? Who was his grandson that he had mentioned? The man in black considered both men a moment longer, then pointed the blade back at Lou. What is your destiny? To free my people, slay Baller of the Evil Eye, and lead us to conquest of Ireland. The man smiled, removing the blade's point from Lou's direction. Would that you could, but instead here you will rot, for I cannot permit you to leave as much for my own skin as any reason I might spare you. But let me correct a general idea that you seem to have, that Balor is our king. No, Lu, son of Ethniu, you are not the grandson of the king of the Pomorians, merely our greatest chief. Our king is in Dek Macdomnan, and he rules our many tribes. I think that he would like to meet you, son of Kian. The man in black pointed Fragarak at his companions. Will you tell what you've seen here today? The first shook his head. I will not. The second nodded. I am forced to, for I answer to Balor's witch. The man in black cut him down without a second thought. The first man did not flinch at all. Then, for good measure, the man in black slew the monstrous Fomorians there in one fell swoop before wiping the blade clean. Enjoy the stench, son of Kian. When next we meet, you will have many questions for me, I am sure. I will have them for you, too. The two survivors stripped the weapons off of their dead companion, turned, and left the room, shutting the door behind them. Silence fell there for quite some time, 
and it was not long before the smell rose off of the monstrous Fomorians, whose bodies seemed to deteriorate more quickly, a black ooze emerging from their wounds. Lou fought the smell, not wishing to become accustomed to it. So you're Kean's boy, are you? Lou did not look at the man in the shadows, but nodded. I am. And does your father know you've returned? Lou looked at him. My father is dead at the hands of the sons of Turian. And who are you? The man who is going to free you, but you need to listen carefully. Once you leave this place and get your bearings, where will you go? Lou considered. If they knew he escaped, they would go instantly to Dean Set. I do not know. Nowhere is safe for me right now, I should think, especially if they know I have escaped. Indeed, but you needn't worry. This place will have two guards outside of it. Can you slay them both without a weapon? Lou nodded. Then do it. If you want to rally the people, your best bet is your father's greatest enemy, Turian. They will unite behind him. You will need the Dagda and Ogma, too. Do you know where they are bound and kept? Only Ogma. The Dagda is unknown to me. Someone will know. Angus, most likely. With the Dagda and Ogma, you will have the two wisest of men of the court behind you. Coupled with Bridget, you can discern a way to unseat Brez. His father will not like that. Lou put the pieces together at last. Our captor is Brez's father, isn't it? He is Alatha, who was tasked with murdering you and your brothers at your birth. It was also Ilatha who lied to Balor regarding your survival. Why? The man in shadow shrugged. Why did he have a child with our people? Why does Brez obey his father? These are questions you will have to find the answer for yourself. From the shadows, his eyes lit up, pure white things, and Lou felt the binds on his legs and arms grow hot and then burn to nothing, leaving only marks on his arms where they used to be. Lou sat up and rubbed his wrist. Who are you? Why do you do this? Because I still believe in destiny, if I believe in little else. You need to go now, in case they double back. More pieces of the puzzle fell together, as they always did. You're Nawada? In another life, perhaps. Go. Now. The door swung open, as if compelled. Lou saw the light in Nawada's eyes, and standing, almost fell over. Why don't you come with me? You could have broken out of here at any time. Nawada shook his head. What good is a maimed king without a crown? The laws of our people are clear. I cannot rule without my hand. The Fomorians keep me alive so I will not be a martyr to our people as much as it irritates Brez. If I go out there, not only will I be a liability to our people, they will hunt us all down and begin slaughtering us. Your uniting our people must be swift, Lou. They will unite under you, and when they do, you must use what power is available to you to destroy Balor and repel the Fomorian threat from our shores. He moved into the light, revealing his left hand. A stump at the end where the hand should be seemed to answer enough. I can do nothing. I am worthless now. You are the only king that matters to us, Nuada. I will not leave you to languish here, but I will do as you say. Lou stripped the clothes off of the guard, ripping off the bloody bits, and put his leather cap upon his head. I will be back for you, 
and I won't be alone. How long until Alakla typically returns? He comes every few days. I would reckon you have five. Lou smiled, finally dressed. Then when he returns, I will be here. Do as you wish, but do not needlessly waste your time. Baller's wrath is swift when it is roused. Lou moved out of the room and shut the door. Then I'll be quick. The mound was a series of labyrinthine tunnels, of which Lou had a hard time discerning which direction was which and where he had been. The markings on the stones that made up the tight, claustrophobic walls indicated to him some kind of shape, a spiraling thing that often involved threes. The Sovereign Queens, he realized, represented an art. So they were known even to the earlier generations. Each series of invaders brought their own power, but recognized the power innate to the land itself. When at last he found the tunnel that led out of the mound, he took a stone for a weapon, ready to bludgeon in the heads of the guards. But no guards greeted him. Only skeletons and spears. Above, three ravens circled. Lou nodded to them. I will do as he says. Lead me to Turian's home. The ravens cawed and caught a southerly wind. Lou followed with haste, as fast as feet would carry him. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Yeager, who really likes ancient Irish mounds, I've checked. Music provided by Scott Buckley, who can be reached at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Like what you hear? Review us on your podcasting network of choice and be sure to share far and wide until you can hear your own echo from the other side of the world. Want to support the show? Check us out on Patreon. There you can gain early access and all sorts of other goodies. And while you're at it, check us out on social media on Twitter and Facebook at The Goddessy Podcast. Links are in the description. Goddessy releases new episodes every Monday. See you next week.